Welcome to the Your Money Hour podcast. I am your host, Dakota Grady. And if you need help with your personal finances, I'm your guy. I can help you get out of debt, budget, and create the life that you want. Check out my website at dakotagrady.com. And if you need help with your accounting and taxes, I got you back as well. My website is theat.com. That's theatdoc.com. So tonight I have a guest on the show, and it's Giovanna Gathers, like feathers. Right, right, right. Yes, sir. <laughs> Got right this time. <laughs> so, Giovanna and I we met over a year ago, and I want to just invite her to the show tonight. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Giovanna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, as Dakota has said, I'm Giovanna Gathers. I am, by day, <laughs> a licensed psychotherapist, which means that I provide individual couples in family therapy. Um, I, I work with adolescents through age 100, you know, if, if they're still um, able to, to do therapy, you know, and there are no dementia issues and that kind of thing. And um, I've been in business, private practice for about nine years. Uh, I've been in the field for probably 25 years. Um, and I love what I do. And um, in addition to that, I am also a life coach. So I, I coach on a lot of I guess, psychological, emotional, or relational issues, but I also coach entrepreneurs. So people that are, you know, starting businesses that are trying to figure out how to launch a podcast or start a nonprofit or launch a business and just don't know where to start. I really kind of help with a lot of that, as well as coaching people to develop a money mindset, which is what I was really excited about when you asked me to be a guest on your show. I've written two books. Um, why am I still single, even though I'm happily married for nine years? <laughs> but I wrote the book to give a lot of relationship advice um, to women about just how to make better choices and how the about the importance of loving yourself first. And so it's not an, a how-to how guide. Um, it's basically a, um, you know, it talks about like, uh, again, the underlying factors, psychological factors, um, things from your past that you may not have dealt with, whether there's a history of abuse or some other type of trauma that might be affecting your ability to trust or to choose a healthy mate or just to be healthy yourself and, and, um, and not, again, you know, go into it expecting someone to complete you. Um, I know we all heard that on Jerry Maguire, you complete me, but you really don't want anybody to complete you. You want to be complete when you meet your significant other. So Why Am I Still Single was actually featured at the Essence Festival in New Orleans twice at the bookstore. And then my most recent book, Epiphany, was released last October. And in addition, I'm a wife and a mom and, um, and I probably run about five other businesses, but We'll just stick with what I've said. Wow. <laughs> yeah, That's I do insane. a lot. <laughs> so let's talk about business and how did you get into business and what are some of the lessons you've learned so far? Um, I think, you know, I, th I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I, I didn't know that when I started getting into business. I just knew that the idea of working for someone else for the rest of my life didn't seem appealing. 
And for a long time, I thought something was wrong with me. Like I was like, what is my problem? And I finally accepted that I was just meant to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but I, so my dad's side of the family were, were entrepreneurs, landowners, real estate investors. My grandmother actually sold Watkins products. I don't know if you remember Watkins products. It was like something they did door to door and it was like ointments and liniments and you know, different things like that that older people would buy back in the day. Well, my grandmother actually sold that. She started her own daycare for African-American children in her home. And she would collect donations for their lunches. She would drive her own car to pick them up. And so again, I think that was just something that was already instilled in me in my DNA. And um, so I kind of always knew I would own my own business, but I wasn't sure what that would look like. And then when I went to college and I graduated with my master's in counseling, I just wanted to work and get a great job. And, um, but the more I got into it, the more I, you know, the entrepreneurial bug started to bite again. And I started looking into opening up a private practice. And at the time I had been working on my job for nine and a half years. And, um, and I just decided I was going to make the leap and I did. <laughs> and so what I've learned, wow, is one thing you do work a lot harder for yourself than you ever do for anyone else, but it is the greatest, most fulfilling work that I can say that I've ever done as well. Because every day I get up knowing that the work I'm doing is making a difference for other people, but also that it's building a legacy for, for my children, my family. And so I'm, you know, when I leave, there will be something that I created that will live on after me. Wow. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship. Like for me, most of my family is their employees. So for me, this bug, like you said earlier, I think when I moved to, say, Oklahoma, I, I got the itch. When I moved to Tennessee, oh yeah, I got bit really bad because it's something about having your own business, especially when you you have so many jobs and it's like, all right, why am I doing this? It's like a groundhog day. It's like I wake up do the same thing over and over, keep my job. Why am I doing this? So do something different. That was my thing. I want to do something different and be weird not be the same so your family was entrepreneurial so you got the book right mm -hmm. yeah my my family but i didn't know that i didn't know that until a few years ago mm. um again i just couldn't figure out why this would never go away for me and i tried my best to fit myself into the box of working for someone else and even though i loved my last job i still I was still yearning for something else. And like you said, there's such a freedom in entrepreneurship. No, it's not for everyone. Some people love the structure and the discipline, you know, of being able to work for someone else. And like I said, when you leave at the end of the day, you can go home and rest in peace. With entrepreneurs, we might be up at 12 o'clock midnight, you know, working on something. But that also, it, it's what feeds me. And so um, even though it's a lot of work and, and I don't have quote unquote, regular business hours it, it still feeds me and fulfills me so yeah but no i didn't know they were entrepreneurs my mother's side of the family were employees and so that was like my my battle you know was okay 
everybody's looking at me like, why you just can't get a job and work for 40 years like everybody else and get your nice little retirement package or whatnot. And I just knew that didn't appeal to me. So when I found out my, my father's side had been entrepreneurs, it was kind of like a piece falling into place in the puzzle. It's like, now I understand this is why. So it just kind of helped me to feel better about it and not, you know, not feel so different. So talk about some of the struggles you've had being an entrepreneur because like you said it's not for everybody people as an employee you clock in get the assignment do the job clock out and go home talk about the struggle yeah. of being an entrepreneur some of the struggle that i've had is is you know i'm everybody so to speak so i i i don't have the admin person i don't have you know some of those things that a larger company you know would have for for resources and and support and and so a lot of those things you know i i do for myself i do have an accountant so i don't do that but i still have to get everything ready to go to him and so um it's it's you know it's learning to wear those different hats and because i am a practitioner who is also a business owner i had to learn that those were two completely different things and i think that's one of the biggest struggles that I see with um, with artists per se or practitioners is that you are great at your craft but you're not necessarily great at running the business side of things and and I learned very quickly you really have to do both because if I don't make sure the light bill is paid then nobody's getting therapy and so none of the rest of that matters and I think a lot of people are either one or the other and I think there are a few of us that are blessed to be able to do both um, I had to learn that though I had to um, learn how to do that other side and learn even though I had that itch I still didn't necessarily know how to lay it out and how to do it because I wasn't a business major so I didn't get all of that as far as training so I bought a lot of books and I read and I listened to other people and I wasn't afraid to ask for advice or help or hey can you sit down with me and tell me what to do so a lot of that I you know I had to kind of learn by trial and area but I think that was one of my biggest challenges is just learning to be a practitioner and a business owner and when to separate the two I think people have that technician mindset because they are an employee and when they get in business they still have that mindset and one book called email talked about that how people they're the technician but they don't know how to manage people they aren't a visionary so they basically run themselves ragged by being a technician and they're still technically an employee they haven't learned how to build systems how to build a system they haven't learned how to supervise and they haven't learned how to have the vision to do the business so one thing I would say I would struggle with as an entrepreneur is just again having all the hats. I feel like I'm doing things, but it's like I'm not doing enough. So I gotta do more. So one thing is is the marketing piece. I know I gotta do it, but it's like all right, I gotta also do the do the accounting, do the taxes, do the networking, do, do the podcast, do the radio. <laughs> it's like <laughs> So Yeah. yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. But it is fulfilling though. I mean, knowing that I don't have to clock in and have a boss. My boss, uh, my boss is my clients, basically. Right. I, like right. having freedom. Talk about the mindset of money. I do money. Personal finance is my passion. Talk about that because we, I guess we, we're on the same page with the money, right? Yeah. From what perspective? Do you, I mean, from a practical perspective or more from a, um, what am I trying to say? 
spiritual perspective, I guess. Let's, let's do both. Okay, sure. Um, so one of the things that I started studying was the law of attraction, probably back in 2004 before it was ever popular. Um, the money, the movie, The Secret came out. Well, I was actually on the list of people that got the first copies of The Secret. Like that's how back, far back I go. And and so I started learning about those things back then. I thought by happenstance, by accident, until I realized like nothing is by accident. And so I was learning those tools back then and then I started implementing them and they started working for me. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? Like this stuff is really working. And, um, and so then I kind of got it in my mind that maybe I'm meant to teach it to other people. And, but right before I did that, the real estate market crashed, the crash of 2008. And I pretty much went from up here to down here. And so at that point, I'm like, I'm not trying to teach anybody anything. I'm, I just need to get, you know, from, from month to month and make sure I'm okay. And, and so it was several years that I just kind of stopped doing everything that I had been learning how to do, creating vision boards, that kind of thing. Like I learned how to do vision boards in 2005. I had went to California to visit a friend and she had one. I had never seen one before. And excuse me, so I came back and I made my first vision board. And then I started hosting vision board workshops in my living room, like literally in my living room and dining room area. And, um, and started hearing testimonies of the women saying, hey, wait a minute, this stuff is really starting to manifest. And so that made me get deeper into manifesting. But like I said, when 2008 happened, I just kind of was like, whoa, wait a minute, this this works until it doesn't work, you know? And, and so I lost confidence, I lost faith in it. And I just, at that point I'm like, okay, I better figure out how to like this job and, and stay on it, you know? Cause maybe I'm just meant to do my entrepreneurial stuff as a hobby on the side. And, and so I resigned myself that I was gonna stay there or if I left, I was gonna leave and go get another job. But again, that feeling just wouldn't go away. And so um, finally, I think it was in 2011 or 12 I became very dissatisfied with my with my work with my job it wasn't the work it was the job itself the culture the politics and I started really thinking like okay is it time for me to go ahead and go on my own and and so I started doing the work I didn't actually leave until 2013 but I started the preparation in 2011 so to some people it looked like I just jumped all of a sudden but I knew that it had been a year and a half to two years in the making. So I, I took money out of my 401k. I paid off what I could pay off because I didn't want the hassle of worrying about bills every month, you know, while I built my business. Um, I didn't want to be stressing out like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to eat? And so I paid off everything that I could pay off to, to the point where I think all I had was a cell phone bill and, um, you know, just kind of bills like that, like those monthly utility type bills. And, and so it took me probably six months before I started making money. Um, I remember sitting there like checking my phone, like, is it working? Is it still in service? Nobody's calling. Um, and about that six month point is when the phone started ringing and it hasn't stopped. I mean, it's been nine years and there are days now where I just wanna run from my phone because I, I get so many referrals and so much business coming my way. So it was definitely worth it. Um, but I also had to develop the mindset in order to get to that place. You know, I, I realized that 
you know, people are running around now saying, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm seven figures. I'm eight figures. Not understanding that you also have to have the mindset to go along with that. Because if you still got a $30,000 job a year mindset, you're not going to be able to manage a million dollars. You're not even going to be able to manage 200000 a year because you just don't have the capacity to manage that. So that's why I say the practical and the spiritual side. Yes, you're going to have to have a great accountant. You're going to have to have great money management skills, but you also are going to have to mentally and emotionally and spiritually have the mindset that can handle being on the level that you say you want to be on. And so that's what I do is help people, you know, to identify their money blocks, to identify any poverty vows or poverty curses or generational poverty curses and just how to root those things out and, and overcome them, overcome some of that money conditioning of money doesn't grow on trees and um, do you think I'm made out of money and, you know, there's never enough or every time I think I get some extra money something comes up like you don't realize how much of that stuff is subconsciously um really controlling whether money comes in or whether money goes out or how much money you have surplus at the end of your you know at the end of paying your expenses and so that's why i teach people that you got to know the practical side of money management. You got to pay yourself first. You got to, you know, um, invest. You got whatever you decide to invest in. Um, you you have to pay your bills and have a good credit rating and that kind of thing. Um, live below your means. You know, don't try to live above your means. And um, But at the same time, develop the capacity that if you want to be on this level, this six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure level, you're going to have to develop the mindset for that, which means you can't still be poor and, and you know, developing the mindset that you're going to need to attract those things. I agree. And having that mindset of abundance opposed to scarcity is important because there's enough money out there in the world for all of us to make it. I mean, I believe that wholeheartedly. There's enough money. But we have to have that mindset of, all right, I can get paid. Although there are other accounts in the world, they can get paid too. And I don't have to compete per right. se. Yeah. And see, that's part of the problem, though, is that the world system is really built on scarcity, not abundance. And and so that's why you've got just, what, 5% who control most of the wealth, because they're so afraid that if any, if I let the 95, which the 95 would never get it, because some people just are never going to develop the mindset for it. But even if I let 35 more percent up here, then that's going to be less for me. Not understanding that one, money is an energy. It's represented by a physical you know dollar or or cent or whatever or gold or whatnot but money in and of itself is an energy and energy cannot be created nor destroyed but energy can be expanded and so the more money and the more opportunity that's created creates just more opportunity so me creating a lot of opportunity you creating a lot of wealth and abundance isn't taking wealth and abundance from anybody else it's actually producing more wealth and abundance and so that that's the problem with that scarcity mindset and especially a lot of our brown people is that you know we are so busy competing and trying to make sure she or he doesn't get there before I do because we don't understand that it's a spiritual thing at the end of the day and that inner that energy will just continue to reproduce itself and circulate because you know I, I realized this when I realized one day 
that I had gotten a $20 bill or something. And I looked at it and I said, this $20 bill could have been in California two days ago. And it could have been in Germany a month ago. And it might have been in South Vietnam three months ago. And it's the same $20 bill. So it is constantly circulating. And, and again, you know, even with things, we think we own things. We don't own things. Um, it, we, we may have possession for a time, but my car that I just sold, I sold an old car that I had. Now it's somebody else's possession. So I didn't own it. I had it for a time. And now it's back in circulation and just like, buying a new home that someone else has owned or someone has built. Uh, everything is continually um, circulating. And so we're not going to run out of resources. And, and that's the scarcity mentality is that we are. So yes, we all can become millionaires and it's just going to produce a wealth economy. Not, we're not going to crash. We keep crashing with the scarcity mentality. That's the thing. I mean, Imagine if everybody had money. That would be, I mean, it's like, let's go. It'll be a big party for the most part. Imagine the crime rate going down. Right, yes, because when there's poverty, crime rate goes up. And I mean, you got other things, crime rate, people in jail, dropping out of school. Pregnancies and all this other stuff is all, yeah. Drug use, drug addiction, absolutely, yes. So yeah, I I agree. I mean, even the Bible says money answers all things. And money isn't everything, but money answers all things. Correct. And honestly, I mean, like, I'm a follower of Christ. Everything loves the guy. We we just managers of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I meant when I said, I don't own anything. He allows me to manage it for a time until it's time for me to release it to someone else or someone to release it to me. Because at the end of the day, it all belongs to him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So talk about the spiritual aspect of it. I mean, do people shy away from that? when We talk about this part or do they embrace it? What, what has been your response? getting better because I think now there are more people talking about it so you know sometimes we we wait unfortunately because we have so much fear ingrained in us as African Americans so we wait because we want to test it out we want to see you know is it okay first is it safe and so I will say when I first started you know yeah I would have people say oh that's witchcraft you know and and things like that even about the law of attraction and I'm like it's really just the law of sowing and reaping what you put out is what you get back and um but people weren't there yet so now i think because the consciousness is expanding and raising so to speak that now you have more people that are oh okay i got a millionaire mindset and i'm this and i'm that so now it's become the theme the trend just like mental health you know 10 15 years ago we were having to grab clients and pull them in now everybody thinks they're a therapist and you got people with no training no degree giving out advice and calling themselves counselors and advisors and coaches and everything and they don't understand the liability and why we had to go to school and pay thousands of dollars to get this credentialing but you know again so it's like it's just people follow trends it's almost sometimes I hate to say but it's almost like we're like sheep sometimes and it's like oh this is hot now so let's follow that 
and now this is hot so let's follow that you know instead of being the original thinkers that we were created to be and um and, and i mean it's okay you know again a lot of it is just fear-based thinking and fear-based mentality but um so yeah i i think now with the spiritual aspect I uh, I find a lot more people being open to that, but only because I can back it up with scripture. When right. I can't back it up with scripture, I still kind of get the raised eyebrows. Um, I spoke at an event not too long ago, and I, I sort of prophesied over the room, and I said, you know, your your um, monthly income will become your weekly income, and and no, I said your weekly income will become your daily, and everybody's like, ah, I said, and then your monthly can become your weekly, ah, and I was like, and your annual can become your monthly. Monthly. And everybody's like, because their minds couldn't go there. So I, I might can imagine that I can earn daily what I earn weekly. And I might can imagine that I'm earning weekly what I used to earn monthly. But ooh, when you went there, I couldn't go there with you. And and that's really just disbelief, you know, and, and, and a lack of belief. So um, I, I, and again, I love to teach that, like the scripture in the Bible that talks about, you know, enlarge your territory, that you have to stretch your curtains wide because you have to have the capacity to receive what you are asking and believing for. If you don't, it's gonna burst like the wine skins. You can't, it won't hold it. So yeah. So as we close, talk about having the mindset, but also having the actions to match that mindset to make that to come to fruition. You have to. Yes. I always say that faith without works is dead, but works without faith is dead too. So you you certainly have to move on it at some point. You know, God is a good God and a great God, but he also understands this is a practical universe. So I can't just sit in my house and say, okay, Publishers Clearinghouse is going to show up any minute with my million dollar check or my $5,000 a week for life. You know, I have to go out there and have the corresponding action that is going to bring that thing to me. You have to create a space, a vacuum. Um, one of the things that I do a lot is um, look around my house for what's out of order. And, you know, whether it's my email, clearing out my emails, making sure that I don't have a bunch of old receipts in my purse now, unless they're business receipts. But, but you know, making sure I don't have a lot of old frivolous receipts in my purse, making sure that I'm making my bed because that order is what creates a space for abundance to flow. Abundance doesn't flow when there's clutter, when there's disarray, when there's, you know, a mess. And and so even from that perspective, you know, those actions. Um, before I married my husband, I talk about this in my first book, Why Am I Still Single? I, I bought my I bought my home and I got a new bedroom set and my cousin came over and she said why'd you buy two nightstands and it's just you I said because I don't want it to always be just me and and so years later when I'm married and my husband is laying over there with his lamp on his nightstand I'm like that's exactly what I did I was creating space creating room for what I wanted to show up so yeah I think it's the same thing you know actions have to correspond with what we say we want or otherwise it's just talk Exactly, exactly. So any few and last points for close? Yeah. Um what would I say? Um what's for you is for you. 
and I I can't take what's yours and you cannot take what's mine. So I really am not your enemy or your competition. Um, you and I can help each other to just get high, to go higher, to excel, to thrive on a whole other level. And again, I think if we had that mentality, more of that mentality, I think more of us would be prospering. More of us would be, um, you know, uh, on that, that seven and eight figure level. We'd have more businesses flourishing instead of other cultures making money off of us and off of our dollar we could be keeping more of that dollar within our own communities and 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 doing our own work you know our own community centers scholarships you know um, re-entry programs and that kind of thing but um but because we won't do that because again we've been taught to fear each other and distrust each other and so i look at you as if i gotta beat you to it then you know because in my mind i'm thinking if you get there first then you'll take mine and that's just not true so there's enough for everybody like you said that's why there's more than one hamburger place and more than one loaf of bread on the bread aisle because there really is enough for everyone abundance really is all there is awesome and anything counter to that is just an illusion of your mind that's right so how can people find out about you Yes, you can definitely visit me on, um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, and Twitter, but I'm hardly ever on Twitter. <laughs> Facebook, Giovanna Gathers, and Gathers is like feathers with a G, so it's G-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. I also have a website, GiovannaGathers.com, and my um, other website is Touchstone Counseling, which is my business name, T-O-U-C-H-S-T-O-N-E hyphen counseling.org if you need therapy. Um, although I do stay booked, but you can certainly go on there to see what services I provide um, and get my books, Epiphany, um, A Journey of Self-Discovery on Amazon and all other online bookstores. Why am I still single? But certainly I would love for people to reach, um, reach out to me. And if they, again, if they need therapy, if they need coaching, if they just want to talk or invite me to be a guest, I'm, I'm definitely available. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Giovanna. This is thank the Your Money Hour podcast. Do I? Oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest. Yes, ma'am.